Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. I'm your host, Robert Gerrish. Flying Solo is an Australian online community and home to stacks of free resources, discussion forums, professional development tools, and a whole lot more. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Andrew Griffiths is Australia's most prolific small business author and a longtime friend of Flying Solo. In this interview, we caught up at the start of the new year. Now, look, before we get going, I just want to acknowledge you because I remember about this time last year, we had a conversation, I can't remember where, somewhere, somewhere we sat down <laughs> and we had a coffee. And I was saying, well, you know, what is, what's on your plate this year, Andrew? What are you looking to do? And I seem to recall, well, I do recall, that one of the things that was on your list was this small goal you had of, of basically um, stomping all over the U.S. market. You were going to absolutely really make inroads into the U.S. And lo and behold, here we are a year later. And what do I see? You're a regular contributor to probably the most popular small business um, websites in the world, I would imagine. It's got to be one of the most popular, which is Inc.com. You're, and you're a regular contri- contributor. I mean, my goodness gracious, you did it, mate. <laughs> it, it, it's a power of intent, I think, you know, mm. Rob. It, it's a funny one, isn't it? 18 million um, visitors a month, unique visitors a month, I believe that is. It's an extraordinary, uh, mm. extraordinary site, Inc., uh, from that point of view. And and it was it was my plan, you know, to start that process, and I just um I just did what I needed to do to track it down and and uh, and worked on it, and all of a sudden, yeah, I'm I'm the only Australian columnist that they have, uh, which is uh, amazing and and a wonderful experience. But the sheer enormity of it is mm. extraordinary in terms of the 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 hundreds of thousands of page views for an article all of mm. a sudden, and the associated traffic and things like that. It's just it's an ama- very humbling experience for me. And and, uh, and I got to say, writing a 500 word article for Ink is harder than writing a book. Is that uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. Well, that's interesting. And talking of writing books, so what, what, how many are we up to now? Uh, well, somewhere around 12 or 13. Depends what, right. what, where we fit into the equation. I finished number 12 and 13, actually, so I'm just in the, in the, in the formatting and publishing stages of those now. I'm writing a book about writing, The mm-hmm. Power of Publishing, and, uh, and one and also about 52 strategies to build your business over the space of a year. So um, once a writer, always a writer, I guess. I'm, uh, you know what it's like, mate. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's what we do. Well, uh, what I think is so interesting is, you know, for, for a lot of us that do a little bit of writing you know we kind of take a break from our normal work to do a bit of writing you're you're kind of the reverse you take a break from your writing to do a little bit of something else don't you <laughs> yeah it's true actually and happily one of them is uh, is speaking to the flying solo community today so again thank you so look let's let's Boy, dive like- straight in let's help people make this the best year yet mm-hmm. traps to avoid you've got some thoughts i know what are some things that we definitely don't want to be bringing with us into the new year do you think Mm. You know where I always start with this is, is I, I always I start by figuring out what are the things that I don't want in my life anymore or what are the things I don't want in my business. Figure out the things that we don't want. Often, I think mm. when people say, well, sit down and come up with a list of all your goals and all the things that you want to achieve, for a lot of people, that's actually really quite difficult, uh, to be honest. But if you said, well, what are the things you want to stop? What are the things you, you want to stamp out? What are the things you kind of won't accept anymore? It's actually pretty easy to come up with that list because we're pretty passionate about those things and we're much more 
opinionated and vocal and I don't want to use the word hate it but I'll, I'll kind mm. of use it. it is the things that we hate that, mm. that irritate us and drive us crazy and 10 years ago I did exactly that I figured out in my little business world probably a little bit longer what are the things I don't want anymore in my business I don't want to work 24 hours a day or seven days a week at least I don't want to or be on call 24 hours a day I don't want to be paid by the hour I don't want to be you know um, I don't want to work with people that I don't like working with all those kind of things and I often look back at that list 10 years down the line mm. and I go well I've actually created the exact opposite of all those things which is they're all very positive things um, yeah look I think that's a great first point and I think you know as you said there at the beginning is that you know often if you ask people what do they really want there's you, you can have a bit you know even if you ask yourself that you can often have a bit mm. of a, a blank look you know kind of a blank sheet of paper and oh I'm not sure exactly what I do want but if you start off as you've said which is okay well what don't you want once you've got some of that stuff out of the way then it inevitably opens up your mind to thinking okay well if that lot's gone what's then possible you know mm. what could then happen what if I didn't have those not so nice clients what if I didn't work in that sort of a way what would then be possible it's a uh, thank you i think that's a, a great way to start i remember mm. you know hearing you talking about that I, I remember now to a a coaching question when i used to do a lot of coaching that i used to ask people is what are you putting up with what are you tolerating mm. and it's it's and it's like opening the floodgates when you particularly if you ask a busy business person that question it's like you know once you ask what are you putting up with it's like whoa how long have you got um, so, Absolutely. thank you. Great place to start. So, figure out the things you don't want, get them off out to one side. So, where should we go to next, Absolutely. Andrew? The next one for me is about uh, overcommitment. You know, don't overcommit. You know, and I, I think that that what I mean by that, I guess, in many respects, I know it sounds obvious, is but I think we often confuse doing lots of things with achieving. And to be honest, I don't necessarily think the two are the same. Certainly not for me. You know, there's certainly been plenty of times when I've been busy as buggery, but have I actually really been getting anything done? You know, it's kind of like those days where you, it's six o'clock and you look back and go, what have I done all day? I've just answered emails, I've answered calls, I've done this, but it doesn't actually feel like I've done anything. So one of my commitments about making, you know, this year the best year for me is to say, well, I want to do less and I want to do better. So I, I want to have less things that I commit to and the things that I do commit, though, I'm going to do them better. And, uh, and, and that, for me, is an important part of, of saying, okay, well, you know, mastering your craft, becoming really, really great at what you do rather than just doing lots and lots of things. Another, another element of that, if I, if I can add in here, is the mm. fact that I think when you fill your calendar, when you fill your agenda, when you fill every minute of every day because it feels good, we're doing lots and lots of stuff, most of the time there's a lot of things in there that actually aren't that productive or aren't making you money. But what we do, to, we don't leave any room for opportunity to come our way. And I, a few years back, really kind of clarified that in my own mind. A lot of people say to me, oh, Andrew, you do so much. You do all these things. And I go, well, you know what? I work less now than I've ever actually worked in my life. But what I make a point of doing is being, being very particular about what I commit to, but also making sure that I'm leaving room for opportunities to come into my life. A little bit out there, but I'll tell you what, if there's no room for opportunities, then they go somewhere else. That's my belief. Yeah, look, I'd, again, very a great, a great point, I think, and I love that phrase you said there about don't, don't confuse doing lots 
with achieving and it's 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 so so common isn't it that we speak to people and oh busy 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 and, and i do it myself and i and i can you know as i say that i can feel my nose going longer <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's so easy just to say oh yeah i'm so busy i'm so busy and you look at the end of a day and you think well, what what have i actually done and what was what should what was my priority at the beginning of the day and, have, and mm-hmm. to what degree have i taken a step you know towards achieving that so don't confuse well, also- doing yeah and also, I'd add to that and say that sometimes um, it feels very, very uncomfortable to not be fully committed. If you are one of those kind of people that, you know, you, you feel kind of a sense of security in looking at your diary and seeing it's all chockers and all the rest of it, to say, leave space out of that and leave space for the unexpected, leave mm. space for things to come in. At first, it's an uncomfortable feeling because you have conditioning yourself to be doing, doing, doing. And uh, and I think I found that very, very difficult in my world was to actually break that habit of of just kind of filling every bit of space simply because I felt that I needed to. But I, I absolutely radically changed my life, Robert. Absolutely. Well, that's, uh, look, just, uh, you, you're a soloist, right? You work I fundamentally am. by yourself. I know you have a number of people around you supporting you, virtual assistants and other people, as, an, as a lot of listeners do. So we can call you a soloist. That doesn't offend mm-hmm. you, does it? Is that right? No, yeah, okay. I'm proud of it. <laughs> yeah, so just tell me, when, you're, when you've created this space and when you're sitting there and you've, because of the fact that you've got yourself so organized and you've not overcommitted, what do you say to yourself if and when, and it surely must happen, when the little voice in your head says, Andrew, <laughs> the phone's not ringing, you know, the, mm-hmm. there's, there's not an email coming in. There's no one on your Facebook page at this very second. What? How do you quell that voice in your head? What do you say to it? Well, I, I guess for me, I've been in business for many years. Obviously, this is almost thirty odd years now. I, I'm I'm kind of past the stage of worrying if the phone will ring again. And and I know it's easy to say that thirty years down the line. I, I know there's a lot of people listening that are new in business, and and if the phone's not ringing. It does make you panic a little bit. And I just, I believe that if you've done all the right things, if you've got everything, you know, you're marketing yourself well, you've got a good network around you, you're good at what you're doing, you're really committed to being good at what you do, the phone will always ring again. And uh, and I think you just got to have a little bit of belief in that side of it as well. But the other side of that for me was also using that time. So, well, if I've got a bit of time, I'm going to do something which is going to be positive. I'm going to plant a few seeds. I'm going to, you know, connect with some people that, that I haven't connected with for a while. I'm going to send out some books. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to teach learn, or to learn some new skills, mm. invest some time and energy back into myself and use that time wisely as opposed to perhaps sitting there, you know, uh, doing the, the email checking or the Facebook checking or the, yeah. how come no one's, you know, um, is sending me any SMSs. Mm. And I, I think it's about finding that, that little bit of inner peace and a little bit of quiet time and letting it happen. But uh, it, it is a bit of a, a brave move, mm. but everyone I know who's done it, says the same thing that that once you leave space you know good opportunities will come your way especially if you've done the right groundwork and look and i guess that again the point that you touched on there that or that you made there is that is you this is in your instance particularly is one where you have the foundations in place you're you you can feel assured that you've got the foundations you've got your marketing pretty well sorted you know clearly who your market is and who you're trying to attract. So 
you, those foundations need to be in place, don't they? And then you can yeah. absolutely say, okay, well, I'm not, you know, I'm going to leave some space safe in the knowledge that I've got those things right. So, now I think great point. Let's let's get on to the next one. So, what's your what's your next point after number that? three for me is I, I I think this and this is something that I struggled with all of my life is and it follows after number two, but is to get better at saying no. Okay, um, and, and for me, I, I was always a bit of a people pleaser for many years, and and as my profile grew, more and more people would be emailing me and 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 asking, "Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you?" And I, and I would say yes to everything. And uh, and what I found was that, particularly for example, one great example here was not for profit work. I found myself doing work for homeless shelters, the blood bank, RSPCA. Um, the Abused Child Trust, all these great, the Salvation Army, gosh, all these organisations. And then I looked at my calendar one day and I said, I'm, I'm spending three days a week doing not-for-profit work. Mm -hmm. If I actually keep doing this, I'm actually going to need all of these services. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's only a matter of time until, you know, that's the way it goes. But I always found it very, very difficult to say no to, to those. So I had to learn how to say no mm -hmm. much, much better. And uh, and for me, one of the, the biggest... Uh, I guess skills that I learned was that was to to learn how to avoid committing on the spot. So people would come mm -hmm. up and see me somewhere or whatever and say, oh, could you do MC this event or do this or do that? And you kind of go, you feel obligated then and there, mm -hmm. so you say yes. And I just made a very simple point of saying, sorry, I, I haven't got my calendar with me. I have to check and get back to you. Mm -hmm. and, and that was my standard line for everyone so that I could actually then turn away and go, right, do I want to do this? Can I do this? Have I got the time to do this? Is this in alignment with who I am, what I want to do, et cetera, et cetera? And, and I guess what I did there was just... I bought a little bit of time for me to not feel guilted into saying no. I also often, another really handy little trick here, Robert, was that I, I, I put it back on the people that were asking. So someone said to me, oh, could you MC a charity event for us? I would say, okay, if you can email me all the information, how it's got to work, rah, rah, by Friday, I'll, I'll have a think about it and I'll come back to you. Mm. If I didn't hear from by Friday, I didn't worry. And most of the time, people never bothered to follow up. And I thought, <laughs> wow, I would spend hours of my time mm. and, and getting ready and doing all this because that's what I do. I'm professional at what I do. Um, and really, there was actually no commitment from them on the other end. So I, I mastered the art of saying no. That's that's wonderful, and I, a couple of key points I got out of that is one is is this this thing of pausing that you do where you rather than being railroaded into making a decision on the spot, you put in a pause and you say, well, I haven't got my diary, let me think about that. Great point, and I love that sort of pushing back sort of thought as well is okay you want me to do something mm -hmm. you need to do a bit more for me first and again that what that does show particularly I guess where you you know someone like yourself you've got a massive following you're well known so of course people are going to want you to open their events and MC their events you know of course that's going to happen so it's absolutely right in that situation you do you push back and say well you do this by then or tell me who the audience is or tell me exactly what the reach is of this sort of promotion that you're doing it's um great point great points thank you and also with that too i find the types of people that are contacting me sometimes robert uh, uh, oh we've got a business opportunity want to talk to you a bit about it um and and it's all very vague. Can you fly down to Sydney? We'll pay for your airfare. Come see us in Sydney. And go well. Mm. It's not really about an airfare to Sydney. Mm. It's a day or two out of my time. That's a, yeah. there's a whole pile of stuff. Send me 
some information. Oh, we can't do that. It's all confidential. So if you're going to talk to me, you can email me. Mm. So, you know, I'm not going to commit until I've got more information. And I, at times, will get 40 or 50 of these kind of emails on a daily basis, mm. you know, which are opportunities, best opportunity you've ever had. And uh, and I, I always tend to go with the ones where they're prepared to put some skin into the game, yeah. where they're professional and how they manage it, where they're respectful of your time and all the rest of it. So, um, and, and the biggest part of all, out of all this, is I listen to my intuition a lot more these days mm. as well. Mm. And, uh, and and I think we all, I always call it a bit of a business owner's sixth sense where you kind of know what's going on a bit. You know, you meet that client and they're saying all this stuff and you just, you're the little hairs on the back of your neck are standing up and going, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> I, I've learned to listen to that. My spidey sense is very attuned to crazy. Well, and, and again, uh, I'm sure part of that is the fact that, as you've said, before, you're giving yourself some space and you're pausing. And Absolutely. it's when you're working at breakneck speed and saying yes to everything, your intuition doesn't get a look in, does it? It doesn't. And you, and you let your brain take over and mm. try and logic every argument as opposed to, to listening to it. On my little checklist of opportunities, that's the last one that I have at the bottom of the list. What does my intuition say about it? And if everything else is a tick above that but my intuition is across, I, I won't get involved. Mm. And uh, I've really learned to hone that skill over the years. I know that's a bit out there for some people, but for me personally, my great greatest business skill is my intuition Fantastic, uh, without a doubt mm. all right let's take you on to where are we now must be point four is it mm, it is okay. don't set lots of little goals set one big goal um there's a bit of a movement, I think, around the world happening at the moment. I don't know if you've noticed, mate, but uh, there's lots of books around one thing or, or pick one thing and all the rest of it. I, I'm a bit of a believer of this. I, I used to be the goal-setting guy with a list of 100 things that I was going to do by 3 o'clock this afternoon. And, I mean, sometimes you, you achieved a few of them, but you never got all of them done. My focus is really changing a lot more now about one big goal, you know, just setting that one big, hairy, audacious goal, as they like mm. to say. And then even if it's a big jump, for like for me, exactly the point you made earlier on about the USA, I had last year was the USA for me. I wanted one great opportunity and I wanted to really leverage that and make that happen. And, you know, by I made it happen by, mm. you know, focusing, by, by doing the things that I needed to do. And, and, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. I, I think having that one big goal, which is on your whiteboard, on your desktop, you know, it's in a card in your in your wallet or your purse. It's on a post-it note on your dashboard of your car. What whatever it might be, written on your children's foreheads. Um, you know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> tattooed. Might, tattooed. Of course. Yeah, that's commitment. That's commitment. I love it. Tougher than the year after when you've got to cross it out. But, oh well. Um, but but that to me is having one big goal, whatever it might be, make it big, you know, is to, is to you know, is, is to be true, you know, is to live with integrity, is to, you know, double your income, whatever it might be, but mm. make it that kind of goal that, that's big enough to be challenged enough, but every action is going to push you in that right direction. So it becomes more of a way of life rather than just a, a, a another kind of uh, element on a list of things to achieve. That's that's my take. I'd be interested yeah, in what your thoughts are on this, mate. Yeah, look, I, 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 must, I love that. And I think it's... it's um, I've always liked this notion of kind of having a, a theme for the year as well, which mm -hmm. I guess is, is related. You know, it's having something that uh, sort of overarches everything else that you do. You know, it's so that, it, that yes, there are, you know, inevitably a hundred actions and a number of goals that we might have sort of under our overall 
big hairy audacious goal or our theme or whatever we want to call it but having one thing that drives us one thing that pulls us forward uh, under which everything else hangs I think is um, is a very good way because it's you know as it was with you as you said last year where the US was uh, for you was it was a, a very clear goal um, and and you put so much effort into that during the course of the year and you made it happen and uh, I, th- I think that's a very good point yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it's it's powerful without a doubt, and I think you can make it all about that one thing, that one, you know, and, and that that I think that just creates enormous intent, and uh, and and with intent, you know, that's you know where that's the action follows that intent, mm. and it just just kind of leads on from there, and and I think though that it, it doesn't have to be a you know. Um, you know, help create world peace thing. I mean, that's a that's a wonderful, wonderful aspiration. Mm. But I think it's also got to be something that that you know that you can achieve. You know, maybe it's to write a book. Maybe it's to do whatever it might be that's that, that's going to be challenging. But you know that there's going to be a big payoff. But more importantly, you know that if you're really honest with yourself, if you're really fair dinkum with yourself, you can make it happen. Mm. And uh, and and that's the difference. It's not a pie in the sky thing. I'm going to make a billion dollars next year, and you know you. Make making $50 at the moment. I, I think that's, that's the only kind of uh, thing that I would say to just clarify it a bit. I think it's fantastic. Well, I must tell you, I can, <laughs> I can share a little secret with you that for me, mm-hmm. for this year, for Flying Solo, it's to reach 100,000 members. So we've got, nice. some work, we've got some work to do, but um, it's a nice figure with lots of knots on it, which has got to be good. And okay. achievable. And achievable. So let's have a look at um, point five then. Uh, this is one of my favourites, and uh, I've been doing this for years now. It's a, it's a really, really simple idea, and it's called a success board. Um, I don't know if you and I have spoken about this before, Robert, but the way that it, it works for me is in January, I, I, have, well, I have a whiteboard in my office, in the corner of my office, and um, I wipe it clean every January. And then the only purpose of this whiteboard is for me to record my successes, and, uh, and the way that it happens, so January starts a little bit sad, um, you know, you, you're feeling a bit like a, a lost cause, but, and, you know, whatever your successes are. So for me, it might be, you know, really doing a great job at a speaking uh, gig. It might be a flying solo podcast with Mr. Robert Gerrish. It might be a book coming out. It might be whatever it is. So, so in January, as I have a success, I write it on my success board. February, I write my successes down and I, and I keep adding them. So by December, Fabulous. you got this amazingly full board of your wonderful successes. That's now, a great thing, isn't it? Because how often do we talk to, do, do you, do you know, I, I know I, I talk to people and you do, I'm sure. We, we don't acknowledge our successes because we're so busy getting on to the next thing, aren't we? That's a wonderful it, idea. Well, and, and you know what? The, the real power of this is that there's a few things. One is you actually take time to stop and acknowledge your successes by writing them up there. And you mm. enjoy seeing them and they're, they're, they're whatever successes mean to you. It doesn't matter. I mean, um, but whatever they are for you. you, you get to enjoy them a lot because you see them all the time. And what I also notice is as the year moves on and I start looking back a few months, I'd forgotten about half of them. I'd forgotten about that presentation or I'd forgotten about that interview or that article or whatever it might be. And I go, oh, yeah, I forgot that. But the real value is on those days when perhaps, you know, you're feeling a little bit flat, you're struggling a little bit, you, you know, just, I don't know, you might have had a bad phone call or you didn't do something as well as you thought or whatever it might be, something's gone wrong. Mm. When you have a look at your successes mm. on your success mm. board, 
everything gets put back into perspective. And you go, ah, that was one tiny little hiccup in the sphere of a really great three months, four months, five months, 12 months. And, uh, and, and it's, it's a wonderfully uh, restoring and, and I don't know, it's uplifting because you're, you're gaining it. Mm. No matter how tough things are, you look and you go, well, you know what? I have achieved a heck of a lot this year and I'm really proud of what I've done. I'm not going to let this one email or this one phone call bring me down uh, because I know that I'm doing a great job. And that's the real power of it. So I take a photo of it, file that away in January the 1st and start it again, mate. It's a wonderfully powerful tool. Oh, it's so brilliant. Well, look, I'm going to, first thing, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it. I'm going to think I'm going to do mine with post-it notes. I'm looking at a little blank wall to the left of my desk and it's screaming out for a bit of added color. So I'm going to get some color. The first post-it note I'm going to put on there is stole success board idea from Andrew Griffith. <laughs> I think that's that's terrific. I just love that. I love it. And it's you can have whether it's sort of visual in your office or on your desktop, on your computer, or on a notepad, or, it's, uh, or in a diary. It's um, uh, you know a journal. It's uh, that's a great one. Great one. Well, I actually put together ten years worth. Of success boards over Christmas, and uh, and I've got to say, it, it it made me feel extraordinarily good about life, just to go back and go, wow, most of the things I'd forgotten about, most of the things I, it was almost like I was experiencing them again. I and I thought, wow, that's uh, I can't wait to see my fifty year mm. uh, collective uh, success board images. You know, it's um, it's a really cool thing to do. That's fantastic. Okay, brilliant. So uh, point six. Uh, what have we got here? Control your time, don't be controlled. Now, now that for me, the, the, the interesting part of this one, um, Robert, is, is this, this, this whole element of when we start what we're doing, so um, we're, we're committed to the year ahead, we've got our big goal, we're, we're getting better at saying no, all that kind of stuff. The problem is that, that it can all kind of go out the window the minute we start our day uh, in many respects. So, you know, time, the, the minute we start answering emails, the minute we start, you know, responding to everything, it's like you lose control of your day and your time because you're constantly reacting to everyone else. You know, it, it's all that whole space of, you know, everyone else is around us that are driving us. For me, what I do to control my time is I, I have downtime where I'm disconnected throughout the day. So I don't, I'm not on email. I'm not on Skype or any of that kind of stuff throughout the entire day. Um, I, I have blocks of time. And and that's been really hard to do because of, you know, our digital addiction that we all tend to suffer from. So for me, I had to learn how to break that and I had to go, right, okay, well, for every half an hour I have my email on, I'll have half an hour where it's off. Then I move to an hour, an hour, then two hours, two hours, three hours, three hours. So, um, but what... I find is I just feel more in control of my time. I'm not distracted. I'm not trying to multitask. I'm not trying to do all these other things and feeling frazzled all day long. I'm actually controlling it instead of feeling out of control. For me, that's the worst feeling. I don't mind stress. I don't mind being under the pump, but I hate feeling out of control. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that for me was was such a such a powerful thing to do. It stems from being a writer as well, of course. I found that if I was trying to write while I was connected. You know, I kept getting distracted and I wrote badly. Yeah. You know what it's like. For me, again, when I'm writing articles and things like that, which I write all day, you know, I'm writing articles every day, really. Mm. Um, 
that, that if I'm trying to do it while I'm multitasking, I write really bad articles, I make bad typos, I it's a second-rate job. And I go, that's just not good enough, just not good enough for me. So I, I figured out it wasn't so much about learning how to write better. It was learning about how to control my time so I wasn't controlled. Mm. And that was choosing when to be disconnected, choosing when to be online, choosing when to get back to control it a little bit. Now, I'm always very professional in how I do it, but I, I, I'm certainly in control of my communication. I, does, does that make sense? Look, it makes total sense. And I think the other thing is that, is that in many ways nothing attracts like a person who's in control, mm-hmm. you know, particularly someone who's who might be approaching um, any any of these any of our, our of our listeners for the, to use their services to buy their products, you know, when you when you have an interaction with somebody who's clearly under control, um, it fills you full of confidence, even if that control is you know an auto responder that says um, I check my email between mm-hmm. one and two p.m. If you need me urgently in the interim, you know, here's my mobile number or some such thing. Something that just lets people know you've arrived here, but I'm not talking to you right now because I'm busy doing some other stuff. You know, it, I think the, the signals that it sends to our potential customers and clients is very, very positive. But it's so easy to fall into that opposite trap, isn't it, of just mm-hmm. responding to everything, being open to everything all the time. And that goes back, you know, to your... Second point, mm-hmm. totally. If you do that, you're back in the old overcommitment stage. You're, you're doing lots of stuff, but you're not getting anything done. And uh, uh, no, I think it's a great so, point. And, and I, I've certainly found. I mean, I, over the years, my business, in whatever shape or form that has been, ha, has grown in in leaps and bounds. And it, it, you know, it doesn't. What I mean by that is. It's not just a gradual increase each month. It's like it, it's a dramatic increase, and then it might plateau out for a while. Dramatic increase, plateau out for a while. But they're bigger increases over a period of time. And mm-hmm. what I always align those periods of growth and, and increased profitability. I'm just not into growth for the sake of it, but actually making more dough uh, are the times when I do all these kind of things. When I make sure that I'm focused, when I'm in control, when I'm not overcommitted, when I'm you know, when I'm spending time doing what I do really well and, and, and something that I, I've really got to be in my bonnet about at the moment is, is saying to people, put all your eggs into the one basket, okay? Ma- become the best at what you do. Master your craft, whatever it might be. I, I think that we are having such a fragmented kind of a world that we live in in terms of our attention span, communication, all those kind of things, where we're becoming quite generalistic in how we do things. And I, I think there's a real calling to be the best at what you do. Now, it's easy to say that, and I do a keynote, and I talk about this a lot, um, but my view on it is to, to go down a slightly different path is that someone's got to be the most expensive, it may as well be you. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be the most expensive, you've got to be the best. And that's the real commitment. You've got to be the best at what you do. Once you commit to being the best, people will find you. People will track you down. They will pay you what you ask. And, and you really build a quite a wonderful kind of a business. It doesn't matter whether you're a dog walker or whether you're running a, a Fortune 500 company or whatever the case may be. But if you don't have these kind of things under control, like your time, like saying no, like your commitments, you rarely get the chance to, to really follow through with that commitment and to become a master of your craft because you're too busy responding to everyone else. Yeah, and, uh, uh, great point. And, and to me, it's what it's all about. And I've, I think I've really only got that in the last few years, Robert, where I, I've, I've really 
I want to be a, a world-class presenter. I want to be a world-class writer. I, I really, I want to be the master of my craft in those spaces. And as again, for some people, it's, it might sound a little bit out there, but for me, it's, it's that big goal. It's that mm. that commitment to that that makes it all makes it all happen. Yeah, and, and as as we were saying in this sort of uh, little conversation before we started recording, is you know, I guess one of the real similarities between what you're doing with your business and what 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 we're doing with ours at Flying Solo is is we're giving it time you know there's no rush here is there and if you're going and i think the another sort of side effect of the of the world we live in currently is too many people are trying to do too much too quickly um Mm -hmm. and i don't have anything against achieving things quickly of course not it's wonderful but um the other way to look at things as well is to do things right takes time and to stick with it to be consistent to be reliable to Work, do everything that you do, you know, with integrity, and these things take time. So, look, I think that was a great point, and it kind of encompasses um, a number of the the other points that you made beforehand. So, I think you've got one more to wrap us up, Andrew. I have, the, and, and this one is uh, another one that I, I'm such a believer in. But it's to make your day all about you, but make it all about you from the start. Now, I don't mean that necessarily to sound like. It's a totally selfish kind of thing. It's not the intent at all. Mm. What I mean, the best way to illustrate that is my little world. And uh, and the way that I operate is I get up every morning at 5 o'clock and, uh, and that for me is the time that I use for myself. And I, I plan out my day. I watch uh, some videos, normally TED videos, things like that, that I, that again I can learn something from, or tutorial type things. Learn how to, you know, how to how to use some kind of software or something inspirational. I do a bit of writing. I normally write an article in the morning when my head's fresh. I um, I just you know revisit my goals, my success board. I just I look at all those things and I, and I spend the first couple of hours of that my day. Then I go off and do some exercise or have some breakfast or whatever it is and start up. But I just spend that first hour and a half, maybe two hours, just really focusing on on becoming a better person, if I'm really honest, Robert. Yep. That's what it comes down to, learning more skills, you know, being being better, mastering my craft, you know, all of those kind of things and saying, okay, well, it, it's all about that. And it's, again, how you start the day is, tends to be how it, how it will continue on. And, uh, and, and I believe that we have to invest in ourselves and we have to – it's the greatest investment you can make, but most of the time people don't. You know, it's it's not that easy. I get a lot of people got, you know, kids and, and there's a lot of commitments, but – but it, if you can find the time or make the time, even if it means getting out of bed earlier, and I know we all hear it all the time, mm. but for me, it has probably been the single most transformational element of my life and my uh, certainly my business world in the last 15, 20 years of doing this particular thing. It's just, um, it changes everything. And it's such a beautiful way to start the day. I look, again, a, a, a wonderful point to, to close on, I think, is it, what you're saying is that's really setting the scene for the day, it's setting the template for the day. I love the way that you start your day with some professional development and then by the sounds after you've done that, you also give yourself some time for health and your own sort of personal physical well-being. You know, it's. It, I think for those of us, and this is all of us, listening are soloists, we're working by ourselves or working in small groups and we, we have to put ourselves first. It's mm. just so important. And I, you know, a phrase that I use a lot and that I particularly love as well is to, is to treat yourself as you would your best client. Mm-hmm. You know, to treat your, your solo business, your micro business as your best client. 
and bring it to the fore. And you're doing that by by feeding yourself with professional development from early in the morning. You know, mm. You're nurturing yourself and you are your business. So we what I think can often happen is that our clients stampede all over our businesses. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, again, that's a point that you've raised here already as well, is this whole thing about um, getting better at saying no. And it's, mm -hmm. all, it's all interconnected, isn't it? But I think... It is. Yeah. It, 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 and again, it, it, these are all things, none of the things that we've spoken about in here are about, you know, get better at reading a P&L, mm. um, you know, a profit loss statement or, or learn, you know, get better at, at, you know, marketing and pitching, rah, rah. Because what, what, they're all important. And don't get me wrong for a second, I believe that understanding business skills is really important. But I, I don't think they actually matter too, Bob, if you don't get this other stuff right, first mm. of all. You know, for me, it's also about having a, a great quality of life. It's about, you know, it's about contributing back uh, to you know, helping other people or doing the things that are going to make a difference, all that kind of stuff. But it all comes back to, you know, the business owners who have the right attitude are the ones that are successful. I, I've just seen so much evidence of that. And the right attitude is not about how much money can I make. Mm. Uh, it, it's really about all of these kind of things that we're talking about now. The byproduct of doing all of this kind of stuff is you get really good at what you do and you attract better clients and you make more money simply because of all of these things it's a that's a wonderful byproduct but the actual main result is you know you you are better as a person and my one big belief is if you want a better business become a better person mm. and uh, and i'm not saying for a heartbeat that i don't think any of our listeners here are not great people, but I'm just saying that for me, by learning to be a better person, developing my own skills, every Friday morning, my question to myself is, how am I a better person this week than I was last week? And how is my business better this week than it was last week? And I just ask those two questions on a Friday morning just to to, to again be able to try and measure that, and I just see this this wonderful relationship between the two, and uh, and that's 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 a bit of the area that that's really kind of I guess floating my boat at the moment. Robert is really you know talking more about that, writing about these two, and, and just you know and seeing the relationship with people. People come to me and want advice on on their business. It's not going terribly well. You know, I I, I think you and I have spoken about this before. My first bit of advice to them normally is to go on a holiday, go to Bali, go to Thailand, go come to Cairns. You know, go and have a <laughs> decent holiday and then we'll look at your business hmm. but you're, you're burnt out tired exhausted and broke never a good time to have a holiday nothing nothing's going to change in that headspace you've yeah. got to be able to break away from that and uh, and invest in your greatest asset which i know is a corny cliche but it's so true yeah, you're your true. greatest business asset you've got to do everything you can to love nurture grow it protect it do all those kind of things Fantastic. Well, I've just got my second post-it note for my success board is recorded great interview with Andrew Griffith. So there you go. Well, look, Andrew, seriously, thank you for your support and your help in, in helping our listeners. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo. I'm Robert Gerrish, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're looking to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, you'll find heaps of resources at flyingsolo.com.au and a supportive community on our forums and Facebook. Thanks for listening.